0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh. and first pitch, twitching. Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email Baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes real. Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris.
1: You wanted prospects? Well, we got them this weekend. Welcome into fantasy baseball today on Monday, June 20th. Frank Sample joined by Scott White. Hope you had a great weekend. Here's what we have for you today on the show a bunch of waiver wire talk, starter sit, worryometer for three starting pitchers in particular. And of course, we will get to those prospects. Happy Father's Day to you, Scotty, and to the rest of the great dads out there. How was bowling with the kiddos on Friday?
0: It was good. It was good. They did better than I thought they'd do. I did worse than I thought I'd do. <laughs> I missed my coach Joe Polito, who was with me the last two times I bowled. He's not actually a bowling coach. He's somebody who works for CBS, but he had he has coached me how to do the curve roll. You know, got you. Where you know you 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 come up right the ball is approaching the gutter and you think it's going to go in, but no, it hangs a left and ideally strikes the pins close to the center, but, uh, wasn't getting it quite right. Wasn't getting it quite right until the very end until, you know, like the ninth frame of the second game. And, uh, my kids were very disappointed at how poorly I was bowling <laughs> because they're used to me winning everything. Um, And frankly, I was disappointed too. So I'm sure if Joe was there, he would have told me what I was doing wrong and it would have taken me less time than 19 frames to figure it out. But hopefully I will know better for next time and not embarrass myself in front of my children again.
1: Look, especially if you don't bowl that often, Scott, if you're just trying to pick it back up after years of not playing and you're trying to curve the ball and do all this crazy stuff, it's definitely going (laughs) to take some time.
0: It's so fulfilling, though. Like it's (laughs) The second game, I didn't want to... I scored like 46 points the first game. That's how bad it was. Oh, geez. But I was committed (laughs) to getting it right, you know? So I was willing to take my lumps because I knew we were going to play a second game. But at some point, I was just like, you know, I can't embarrass myself. I just... Just bowling straight up, you know, just straight lines basically. And doing better. But it's just it's just not as satisfying, you know? Oh, like, I it's know. It's just not the same. It's, there, it's, it's like one of those weird things, you, you know, people make YouTube videos about like oddly satisfying things, like bowling in curves as opposed to straight lives lines is one of those oddly satisfying things that you don't you don't know until you do it how fulfilling it is.
1: And I try to do it myself too, Scott curve the ball. I don't think that I'm doing it correctly, but sometimes it works out. Okay. And I can, I don't know, bowl like a mid one hundreds, which is like, okay, it's nothing great, but it is very fulfilling. That's what
0: I can get to. Yeah. Yeah. At at my best. If I had Joe watching (laughs) Joe, I miss you, Joe.
1: Ah, we miss you, Joe. Anyway, let's get into the prospects. We're going to delay Oh My Goodness a little bit because the prospects are really the biggest story of the weekend. And I saw some people talking in the YouTube chat beforehand. They feel like this could be a season-changing waiver-wire weekend, and and I don't really disagree based on some of these names that we're going to talk about. So let's start with the biggest one, I would say, the Detroit Tigers. Riley Green made his debut on Saturday. He's 71% rostered. He went two for three with two walks, two runs scored in that game, and last year in the minor leagues, he was awesome. 24 home runs, 16 steals, 301 batting average, a 921 OPS, but he was not the only outfield-eligible Prospect to get called up or recalled. Alex Kirilov was the other one. He had two hits in two games this weekend. Fifty-three percent rostered. Scott, talk to me about Riley Green, Kirilov, and after that, we'll we'll get to ranking some of these outfielders.
0: Okay, so those two. We're not going to talk about the other two big uh, call ups. We'll, we'll get to them. We'll get to them. Okay. All right. Riley Green and Kirilov. Yes. Yes. So, I I would imagine. Well, I I could say for a fact Green is. Less available than Kirilov. However, if you've been following my prospect reports, I've been telling you to stash both of them for a couple weeks. We're going to be starting with a fresh slate in this week's prospects report, basically. Because three of my five on the verge got called up and CJ Abrams, who is one of the next, who I would have put in for them, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway. Yeah, so Riley Green, he's walked four times already, I believe. Showing good plate discipline right of the way. I like to see that. He is a, like just from a straight up, this is what all the prospect rankings say. He's the highest ranked of all these prospects. Pretty much a consensus top five guy coming into the season. You may remember he was going to make the opening day roster. It had already been reported. And then he broke his foot. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily on board with this because his strikeout rate was higher at AAA, but a Most publications had him as a better prospect even than Spencer Torkelson, who was the number one pick in the draft two years ago. So, really, really good prospect, Riley Green. Stands out most for the hit tool, but has power, has a little bit of speed, hopefully. uh, and, And as we're seeing, he can get on base. Hopefully that continues. So I think he's the higher... I think he's the higher upside play of the two, but it's... What may be influencing my thinking there is just that we've seen Kirilov a fair amount in the majors already, and it's gone mostly poorly. But it's gone poorly because his wrist hasn't been right really since May of last year. Uh, And he he was doing some pretty impressive things before hurting that wrist, but he tried playing through it. It didn't go well. He eventually had season-ending surgery, came back this year. It still wasn't feeling right. Had a cortisone shot. Got sent to AAA to work on his swing. Uh, he'd gotten into some bad habits. He was putting th- putting the ball on the ground way too much. And his numbers at AAA took him a while to get it right, but once he got going, just insane production at AAA. 359 batting, averaged 10 home runs in 35 games. Got on base at a 465 clip, which is something we hadn't seen from Kirloff in the majors or minors before. So I'm pretty excited about him too. Mm -hmm. I think if push comes to shove, I'm I'm picking up green first, but it wouldn't surprise me if Kirilov actually ends up better. And, And he's also eligible at first base while green is just outfield.
1: Yeah. I do think Riley green has more upside between the two, especially if you're talking about a categories league, I think we could see some speed out of Riley green. Hopefully this is like a shot in the arm for the Tigers lineup too, because they've been so bad all season long. And I think, their, uh, his first game on Saturday, they go out and they put up, what was it, like 14 runs or something crazy like that? Yeah, 14 runs. So hopefully this is something that can uh, help rejuvenate the Tigers lineup because it's been very bad. Scott, I'm going to throw Michael Harris in that mix because I got this question earlier on Twitter. And I actually said I would take Michael Harris over Riley Green. And I think it's really cr- close. So how would you rank those three? Green, Kirilov, Michael Harris.
0: Here's what I've told people who've asked me on Twitter if this is just i'm stat, i'm putting upside on my bench in hope of a big score a big win then i would rank them green first and oh man between harris and kirilov uh, i guess i'd go harris ahead of kirilov but but what changes it is like if if you're already if you already are relying on harris who's been good for a couple weeks now, uh, you consider him one of your starting outfielders, then I, I wouldn't mess with that because as many prospects as, I mean, Spencer Torkel said, as many prospects, high, high-end high prospects as, we, as we've seen struggle to to break in, I, I don't know that you need to mess with a good thing. So it, it's kind of a how deep is your league thing. I imagine, though, if you can give half a thought to dropping Harris, it's probably a pretty shallow league, in which case I'd go for green.
1: Yeah. My thinking with Harris versus green is look, obviously green was the higher upside prospect on on prospect look lists in general, but Harris is performing well already. I know it's a small sample and the Braves lineup is a lot better than the Detroit Tigers. So that's just something that's factoring into my mind. And uh, so I think with that, I I would take Harris over green, but it it is very cool.
0: He has been the ninth place hitter in that lineup for what that's worth. Now, Obviously, that he could move up. That could change if he keeps hitting well, but it it hasn't changed yet.
1: All right, let's move over to the shortstops. Other big prospect news from the weekend. O'Neal Cruz will be called up on Monday. He's 64% rostered, obviously with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Got off to a very rough start in April uh, down in the minors. But since the start of May, he's been much better. He's got nine homers, 11 steals overall. And then CJ Abrams is apparently being recalled by the San Diego Padres. Sounds like to help address the uh, Manny Machado injury, which we will get to a little bit later on. And Abrams was on fire in the month of June. 371 batting average, three homers, five seals, 965 OPS. Much more widely available. He's only 33% rostered. So, uh, Scott, how are you breaking these two down? Who would you rather have, C.J. Abrams or O'Neill Cruz?
0: See, I kind of feel like we buried the lead here because O'Neill Cruz, I think, was the I think was the the biggest lightning strike of all of these, you know, he got so much hype in spring training and, and a lot of people have stashed him away for a very long time, 61% rostered. I mean, people were stashing green too, but that was more injury related. So you could kind of, you know, you knew you were going to be waiting a while for him, but we didn't know how long we were going to be waiting for Cruz. And as we've talked about recently, He's picked up the pace quite a bit in the minors too. Over his past twenty-five games, three hundred two batting average, seven homers, nine sixty-two OPS. I know he wasn't ranked as highly on most prospect lists as Riley Green, but I think of all these players, he's he's the ceiling guy. You know, he got ranked a little lower because
1: that's O'Neill Cruz. O'Neill Cruz, you're talking about,
0: yeah, cool. got got ranked a little lower uh because of downside risk, because of questions about where he'd wind up defensively. Sounds like he's gonna be just the shortstop to start out. Uh he got a little bit of time in left field at triple A. But just in terms of tools, I remember I remember seeing baseball America published prior to the season the average exit velocity last year for all of their top 100 prospects. And Cruz was in a class of his own. He was like 94 miles per hour. He's basically another six foot seven guy who impacts the ball like Aaron judge is he, is he going to be disciplined enough with his mechanics? Is he going to be disciplined enough with the strike zone to, to take advantage of that? I can't say, I mean, it could, I could see it going disastrously. It's that's certainly a plausible scenario, but it's also a plausible, plausible scenario that O'Neal Cruz is just a monster and, Potentially right away and you know, he's, he's been a great base dealer in the minors too. And a lot of times with sluggers that they, they, uh, they, uh, discard that skill once they get to the majors, but you know, that, I, there's a good chance he's, he's an, uh, one of the best power hitters in the game and also is contributing like 15 to 20 steals or at least that kind of pace. I'm skeptical it'll be in it as a rookie this year, but it could happen. So I think he's the one guy, regardless of your circumstances, Cruz, you have to take a flyer on him.
1: Mm-hmm. Last year, he had five batted ball events. He got called up late in the season. I think it was the final three games for the pirates. And he had a batted ball of 118.2 miles per hour. This is O'Neal Cruz <clears throat> that we're talking about. And, uh, yeah, he impacts the ball incredibly, incredibly hard. So, uh, I guess if you're just comparing O'Neill Cruz versus Abrams, you're taking Cruz over CJ Abrams, right?
0: Yes, yes. The one hesitation I might have is if like steals is the thing you need, but even then, I mean, we saw Abrams in the majors for a while. Didn't it seem like he was ready to uh, to make an impact. And I'm I'm not. It's not clear even now with this second promotion that it's to be an everyday player necessarily. So yeah, I would take Cruz. Uh, in in an ideal world, though, CJ Abrams is a, you know, an elite base dealer.
1: All right, would you be okay dropping at the shortstop position, JP Crawford, Brandon Crawford, Tyro Estrada for either any of these yeah. shortstops? Yeah. Okay, because Th- those guys are still those are rostered in over seventy percent of CBS leagues.
0: So, yeah, yeah. I know, um, but those are not. Pretty much I'm if, if this is a choice between lots of upside or little upside, I'm gonna go lots of upside. <laughs>
1: sure. All right. So O'Neill Cruz and CJ Abrams, two other big names this weekend, shortstops, of course. Uh Abrams got picked up in a few of my deeper leagues so far. We had some fab run on Sunday night and he went for twenty-eight dollars out of a thousand dollar fab budget in one fifteen team league. So, you know, around three percent, and then twenty-three dollars out of one thousand dollar budget in another league that actually was to me. So yay, I got CJ mm. Abrams. I hope he's awesome because that yeah, would be
0: great. I uh, I already so I'm in three fifteen team roto leagues. I already had him. I've stashed. I've kept him stashed in two of them. I kept him stashed until last week in the other one, and foolishly dropped him <sighs> for Jeez. a Red Sox reliever who wasn't even Tanner Houck. Ah. Uh. That Strom? Yeah. I'm sorry. Maybe. I mean, I picked up <laughs> Strom and Robles. I could have been either one. Ah. It was dumb, though. I regretted it immediately and then regretted it even more Damn. when I didn't win him back today.
1: All right. A few others I wanted <laughs> to mention. Uh Leo Pergüero got called up by the Pirates this weekend, but it seems like it was more out of a desperation. I think they had someone go on the COVID IL, and they just needed to replace. Uh Yeah, it was... Tucupita Marcano went on the COVID IL. Um and then they they called up Puguero because apparently he was the closest in terms of like geography in the minor league system. Basically they needed help. Uh but this is a pretty big prospect as well, Scott. The thing is, I don't know if he's gonna stick around.
0: Yeah, I, I would suspect not. It was it it was it seemed like kind of a desperation room move. I can't remember. What Ben Sherrington, the, 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 the Pirates GM basically described it as, as in those terms, like we had a need to fill and he was in, in a spot to fill it. So I, I think with Cruz coming up, Pagero probably goes back down.
1: Yeah, and he's only 21 years old. He got called up from AA. Just a name to watch to see if he gets recalled later on in the season. Uh, does have a lot of speed, also has some pop again. The name there, Leover Paguero, and not as highly regarded, but uh, Buddy Kennedy was promoted by the D backs this weekend. He hit a grand slam on Sunday, his first career home run, and he's kind of an interesting prospect. Last year in the minors, he hit 290, 22 homers, 16 steals. He's one percent rostered on CBS, so uh, in the deepest of leagues, a name to look at there, Buddy Kennedy. Scott, do you have anything on him?
0: Uh, I mean, I, it kind of reminds me of the the minor league numbers of of Brendan Donovan. He's a guy we kind of poo pooed when he came up, and he's turned into something halfway useful in fantasy. But I don't know that Kennedy, like I don't know that lightning's going to strike twice in that regard. But similar in that he has good plate discipline. A little bit of power. We'll see.
1: All right. Well, let's get into Oh My Goodness Gracious players from the weekend.
0: Oh My good, Goodness Gracious. All right, Scott. Who do you got? I'm going to go with McKenzie Gore. Mm-hmm. McKenzie Gore, who made his second straight start against the Rockies. Both have gone very poorly. This was Friday when he made that second start and his ERA between those two starts. Okay. So on on Friday, he allowed eight runs in four innings, nine hits, three walks versus one strikeout. And that's two starts in a row now where he's had not just against the Rockies, not just bad, but more walks than strikeouts. And that's worrisome because guy couldn't find the zone at all. Last year, that was part of his problem in the minors, why he lost so much stock as a prospect. Those two starts, so bad his ERA has gone from 150 to 364. So (laughs) all those gains in Roto Leagues basically lost in the span of two starts. (laughs) That is frustrating. Now, this one was at Coors Field. The other one wasn't. But I will point out that five of the eight runs he gave up Friday... This is McKenzie Gore. Five of the eight runs came on hanging, breaking balls to C.J. Crone and Randall Gritchick. Would those have been hangers under normal atmospheric conditions? It's reasonable to think they might not have been. That's that's the whole thing about court. That's not the whole thing about Coors Field, but that's part of why it's such a difficult place to pitch. Is is breaking balls don't break like you're used to. So, independent of that first bad start, I'd be inclined to give him a pass for Coors Field, but is two awful starts against a lineup that theoretically isn't very good and with a high number of walks. So I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried about McKenzie Gore. Not anywhere close to dropping him or anything. But I might consider sitting him this week.
1: Yeah, there were a few other things going on in this start. The uh, fastball velocity was down 1.2 miles per hour. A couple other things just happening with him recently. Three-plus walks in four straight. The swinging strikes have been down in two straight starts for Mackenzie Gore. So, yes, we do have a decision to make. He's up against the Diamondbacks this week. They are 24th in weighted on-base average against left-handed pitching. What do you think? Do you start Mackenzie Gore against the Diamondbacks?
0: I would have to... Good matchup, obviously, but I'd have to lean no. I'm not saying it's the... Under no circumstances would I do it, but I'd lean no.
1: All right, fair enough. From one pitcher to another... Much older pitcher. Someone we've been waiting all season long to get back on track. Uncle Charlie Morton. Finally, his best start of the season at the Cubs. And he went seven shutout, he gave up three hits, zero walks, nine strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes on 94 pitches, 12 of those on the curve, six on the fastball, he had everything working in the start, 39% CSW overall, that's called strikes, plus whiffs, 28% is about league average, so 39% is really, really an awesome mark there, it was his first start with zero walks this season. And he has one walker fewer in five of his last seven starts. So that was a huge issue for him early on in the season. I mentioned the walks were up, first pitch strikes uh, were not great. So he was falling behind in a lot of counts. And, you know, he couldn't finish any hitters off because uh, the curveball wasn't working. He didn't have the fastballs. It was a mess early on in the season for Charlie Morton. But now 16 mm-hmm. plus swinging strikes in three straight starts. And if you look at his last eight starts overall, the ERA is over four. But that comes with a 3.10 x fit, 11.8K per nine, 2.5 walks per nine. I kind of feel like we're right there, Scott. And, and like we're on the verge of now we're going to start to see this come to fruition and actually yep. see it play out in great starts.
0: And that's what we got yep. from Morton this weekend. Oh, yeah. He's back. He's back. Charlie Morton's back. I kind of had a feeling he was back already. You mentioned the swinging strikes. Uh, I have it as 18 or more in three straight. I'm not sure why I'm not sure why different data feeds come up with different numbers for swinging strikes. That seems like a straightforward count, but right. anyway, it was a lot. It was a lot, uh, and he just had problems getting through the first inning in each of the previous two starts. So gave up a, a, a decent number of runs that that you know maybe concealed the progress he was making. But I wrote about it last week. Hopefully, you bought low when you could on Charlie Morton.
1: Looks like the buy low window has been slammed shut, and it's about time because Charlie, we needed this. And and why do not you
0: know this was the game? This was the start that ended the Braves' fourteen-game winning streak. Right. Yeah, I think they wanted Charlie Morton was awesome, and yeah, (laughs)
1: they lost that one late. I think it was what a a one zip loss or two one something like that. So unfortunate. Yeah, I think so. Let's stick with some pitchers and take a look at the waiver wire from the weekend. We'll start with uh, this first group. These are names between 59 and 70 percent rostered. Michael Waka, another solid start against the Cardinals. Five and a third innings pitched, one run, five strikeouts. The ERA is down to 2.28, and he's going up against the Tigers this week. So a nice matchup there. Taiwan Walker. Has 19 strikeouts over his last two starts. I don't know if I'm buying it. Maybe Scott is. We'll find out. But he's going up. Uh, he went up against the Marlins this weekend. Six and two thirds, one run, had those nine strikeouts, and his ERA is down to 2.88 at the Marlins again this week for Taiwan Walker. John Gray has now looked very strong in three of his last four outings. He was at the Tigers this weekend as well. Seven shutout with six strikeouts, and in the month of June. Four starts for John Gray. 2.52 ERA, 31 strikeouts, over 25 innings pitched. He is 59% rostered and going up against the Nationals this week. Scott, what do you think of these three? Michael Waka, Taiwan Walker, and John Gray.
0: I'd like John Gray more this week. If I thought he was actually going against the Nationals, I think because the Rangers have a five-game schedule, they're just going four-man, which would put John Gray going against the Phillies this week.
1: Mm, not as great. Uh,
0: yeah you know and i've i've been I've been wrong when i've I've been wrong before, so maybe he will go against the nationals either way. I think John Gray is the most um the most exciting of this group you know we like him a lot as a sleeper when I say we basically the entire fantasy analysis industry liked him as a sleeper coming into the year, getting out of course field um he was working on developing a sweepier slider too. I haven't actually seen it, so I don't know if if that's the slider he's working with. But it it has been getting has been getting its share of whiffs. So, yeah, pretty excited about the direction John Gray has taken. Regardless of who he's facing this week, it wouldn't be a bad idea to pick him up if he's available. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what's the only thing I've noticed for Taiwan Walker, who's had good strikeout total last two starts, unusual for him. Is that he's been throwing his slider a little more. Yeah. But it hasn't been hasn't been the sort of dramatic arsenal change that would lead to dramatically different results. So I'm yeah, I'm I'm pretty skeptical of what Taiwan Walker's been doing too.
1: I noticed that the slider has been a good pitch for him this season in terms of just recording outs. It has a 188 batting average against. Let's check out that whiff rate. Um twenty five point eight percent. Eh, that's okay. Not great. So all right, we'll see what happens. I would say if I'm ranking them, I would go John Gray, Taiwan Walker, and then Michael Waka in that order. Scott, would you be okay dropping um Graham Ashcraft for any or all of these? He's now given up ten earned runs on 19 hits over his last two starts.
0: I'm okay dropping Ashcraft just in a general sense, but I think of these three, the only one I drop him for is John Gray.
1: Okay fair enough. Uh waiver wire pitchers part 2. I don't really think any of these pitchers are good, but they do have strong matchups this upcoming week. Keegan Thompson had his best start up against the Braves, six shutout with nine strikeouts. Brad Keller That was
0: that was the one opposite Morton. Yes. Keegan Thompson. Yes indeed. Uh Get the Braves in
1: Brad Keller was at the Oakland A's this weekend. Seven shutout innings with six strikeouts. Cole Irvin was on the other side of that start. Six and a third. One run ball. Six strikeouts there. Uh, Johnny Cueto has now allowed three earned runs or fewer in five of his six starts. He went into Houston through seven shutout innings with five strikeouts. Pretty impressive there. Uh, And then... Dylan Bundy. I know. It's Dylan Bundy. It was an eight-inning, one-run performance, so I'll just throw it on the rundown. Then we can just laugh about it a little bit later on. <laughs> but he was at the Diamondbacks, eight innings of one-run ball, seven strikeouts. Uh, all five of these names, Scott, have good matchups this week. Are you interested in
0: any? Not really, no. <laughs> I don't blame him. Dylan, Dylan Bundy has a 517 ERA. Cueto's been impressive, but it's a 407 XFIP, so that's... It's gonna get the rug pulled out from under him soon enough. Keegan Thompson, I did kind of like him until I started him last week. Not 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 the not the week where he went against the Braves against Morton, but um, the week before that, he had two starts against the Orioles and the Yankees and allowed allowed a combined ten earned runs in three and two thirds innings. Oof, that's that's <laughs> uh, that's my experience with Keegan Thompson. Not so much what he just did to the Braves. And I've pointed out before, the Braves give pitchers a lot of swinging strikes. So I choose not to be swayed by this performance by Keegan Thompson for a couple reasons.
1: Fair enough. Yes, the Atlanta Braves have the third highest strikeout rate against right-handed pitching this season. So that would explain uh, Keegan Thompson getting a lot of swinging strikes in this one.
0: It was, yeah, it was by far his best swinging strike effort of the season. Even the other starts that were good, it wasn't so much because he was missing bats.
1: All right. And he is at the Pirates this week, so pretty good matchup there for Keegan Thompson. Uh, Cueto is the other one where, you know, if you really need a streamer, he's going up against the Orioles this week. They're not great against right-handed pitching, and... Yeah, Cueto's been okay. So uh, Those are the two I, I would probably look at streaming. Weaver Wire Pitchers, Part 3. These are for deeper leagues. Is there anything here? The Godfather. He's back. He's pulling you back in. Mitch Keller has now allowed two earned runs or fewer in four straight starts on Sunday. Six innings of two-run ball against the Giants, where he had four strikeouts. And over his last four starts, a 2.44 ERA. Uh, swinging strikes are way down. He's Gone with this new sinker, and he's leaned all the way into it. Lots of ground balls, though, for Mitch Keller. He's widely available. Daniel Lynch is the other one. He had a career-high 10 strikeouts at the Oakland A's this weekend with 23 swinging strikes. Scott, anything here in deeper leagues? Mitch Keller, Daniel Lynch.
0: I think Mitch Keller could be respectable, but I don't think he'll be anything more. And for the Pirates, I'm just not sure... I'm just not sure res- Respectable is going to be good enough to to generate real fantasy interest. And it's a maybe anyway, so, meh. Daniel Lynch, I think, has more potential. His swinging strike rate is 12.9, which absent context probably doesn't mean anything to you, but that's a really good swinging strike rate. He gives up a ton of fly balls, so he's been vulnerable to to the home run, but... You know, plays his home parks a big park. i I could see how that I, I could see how Daniel Lynch could overcome that. and he was pretty high in prospect himself. So not saying you need to rush out and add him, but I think there are there are definite skills there for Lynch that, you know, maybe this is the start of them coming to fruition.
1: All right, before we hit the break, just a reminder to join our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group if you haven't already. That's facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. Fun community, listeners, people who watch us on YouTube asking questions uh, every single day. It's, it's very lively and um, it's cool. You know, it's a lot of feedback and people interacting, and you, you could ask waiver questions, trades, dynasty keeper, whatever you've got going on, you could uh, hop in the Facebook group and Uh, Post your question or comment, and you can interact with everybody else. And we are going to take a break, and we'll be back right after this.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: The news and notes the big injury from the weekend, actually, I mean I guess two of them, but Mookie Betts was placed on the I. L with a fractured right rib. Dave Roberts said he expects uh Betts to return in about two weeks.
0: Which sounds optimistic to me, but Yeah, well, it was weird because <laughs> he was in He was going to be in the lineup the next day because the x-rays were negative, and then he was scratched, and I Mm. don't know. I guess it's a very small fracture. The x-rays didn't pick it up at first. I I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, the good news is If you lost Mookie Betts, there are some outfielders available, Michael Harris and Alex Kirilov and Riley Green, so go out and get one of those guys. Manny Machado was diagnosed with a left ankle sprain after he exited in the first inning of Sunday's game against the Rockies, and uh, x-rays came back negative, but it seems like he is going to miss some time. I don't know how much that will be, but it was scary enough for them to, A, take x-rays, and, B, call up C.J. Abrams. So, if you need a third-base replacement, couple of names I'm looking at, Scott. Brendan and Donovan, John Birdie, Ezekiel Duran. Duran? Duran? I don't know why I just said it like that. That was weird. And Santiago <laughs> Espinal. Uh, what do you think about those four?
0: I think... It's uh, not great. It's not a position where you want to lose a player. Um, Especially Manny Machado, Jeez, Yeah. So, I would say... Seeing if I could find your list in the notes here. It's not in the notes, apparently. Could you go over the names one more time? (laughs) It is
1: in the notes, Scott. Uh, (laughs) I couldn't find it. Brendan Donovan, John Birdie, Ezekiel Duran, and Santiago Espinal.
0: Okay, so I think in a categories league, Ezekiel Duran is who I'd go for first. I think in a points league, because the walk to strikeout ratio is so good, Brendan Donovan. Is who I'd go for first. I think though, if you're looking for like if 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 steals is you know you need a ton of steals, John Birdie you might look into him because he stole three bases, three more bases on Saturday alone. That brings him to 16 stolen bases since May 27th. So he is running wild, and the Marlins have the most favorable her matchups next week. So he should be on base plenty then too. Yeah. agree
1: 100%. If you need speed, I mean 16 steals over his last 20 games, as you mentioned, he has 18 total, which is tied for the league lead. This is John Birdie, 36% rostered. He's got four different position eligibilities on CBS, second base, third base, shortstop outfield. So if you play in any Roto league where it's deeper format, five outfielders, a middle, a corner, Definitely want to make sure John birdie is rostered in that league. Liam Hendricks is set to begin a throwing program on Monday and is targeting July 1st for his return from the IL. Aaron Ashby has been cleared to make his next start on Tuesday against the Cardinals. And it looks like he's in line for two starts, one against the Cardinals, one against the blue Jays. Scott, would you fire Aaron Ashby up for those
0: matchups? Yeah, I think so. I originally had, because remember I took him out Thursday night when we recorded, um, with the news of this injury originally had him in the must-start section of the two-start pitcher rankings. I have him a tier lower than that. So, you know, you have to exercise some caution. But so do the Brewers, and they're letting him make the start. So I, I think he'll probably be okay and make the two starts, and I'd still want to use him in most cases.
1: All right. Chris Sale will begin a rehab assignment in the Florida Complex League on Monday. Brandon Woodruff struck out seven of the eight batters he retired in a rehab start on Saturday. He's expected to make one more rehab start before rejoining the Brewers rotation. Tim Anderson is expected to return Monday against the Blue Jays, so get him back in your lineups. Wander Franco could rejoin the Rays next weekend against the Pirates. Chris Bryant is hopeful that he'll be able to return next weekend as well. Nick Lodolo struck out six across two innings in his rehab start on Saturday. He's expected to make at least one more rehab start, and he was a name, Scott, that I was looking to add in my deeper 15-team Roto Leagues just to kind of beat everyone else to the punch, uh, not waiting until Lodolo actually rejoins the team, but you know, pick him up and stash him for now.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't see him out there in any of mine, but... That makes sense.
1: Uh, Colton Wong suffered a setback in his recovery and won't be activated for the Brewers' upcoming homestand. Uh, He's on the IL with a calf injury. Jesus Lizardo started a throwing program this weekend. He's on the IL with that forearm injury. Eloy Jimenez will have a chance to resume his rehab assignment at AAA on Tuesday. He had his recent rehab pause due to normal leg soreness, and he's been on the IL for a while now with that hamstring injury. So... It's been a mess. As someone who advocates for drafting Eloy Jimenez every year, it hasn't been great. Nathan Evaldi is progressing slower than expected and is unlikely to return from the IL when first eligible. He's out with lower back inflammation. Nate Pearson was removed from Sunday's rehab start at AAA due to right shoulder discomfort. Another one just cannot get healthy, cannot stay healthy. Hasn't been a contributor in the majors yet. It's rough for Nate Pearson. Lorenzo Cain was designated for assignment by the Brewers on Saturday, and Justin Upton made his first start with the Mariners Friday and left the game after getting hit in the head with a pitch, which obviously is pretty scary, but um, he also started Saturday and Sunday, so I think Justin Upton is just fine. Other players who went to the aisle this weekend. Tyler McGill with a strained right shoulder and will be shut down from throwing for four weeks before being reevaluated, And... In leagues with no IL spots, Scott, I was thinking about dropping Tyler McGill this most recent Fab period on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, his ERA is over five now as well. You presume health has something to do with that, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a while since Tyler McGill's done any good for anybody's fantasy team.
1: Anthony Rendon will miss the rest of the season as he needs wrist surgery, and it has been a real rough go the past couple of years for Anthony Rendon as well. Uh, so third baseman starting to drop. It's really the worst position to lose a player at, but not not that Rendon has been great anyway. Austin Meadows went to the COVID IL after testing positive. Jesus Sanchez and Jesus Aguilar also went to the COVID IL. I did not see whether or not uh, they tested positive. Frank Schmendel to the IL with a lower back strain and Reds relievers. Alexis Diaz with right biceps tendonitis and Tony Santian with a back injury. All right, let's get into some waiver wire hitters from the weekend outside of the prospects, of course. Christian Walker, I'm just so surprised, Scott, that he's still 70% rostered. I feel like, I know the batting average is bad, but the guy is up to 18 home runs. Another double dong on Sunday for Christian Walker.
0: Luke Voigt. Wait, so you you think 71 is too low for Walker or too high for Walker? Too
1: low. I, I think he needs to be rostered more leagues. I think he just needs to be universally rostered, basically.
0: Okay. Maybe. It's it's a it's a it's a tough one because Christian Walker, prior to this two homer game Sunday, had gone 0 for 15 in his previous four. He's at, his batting average has actually fallen in June, so there's been no correction happening there, like we hoped. Having said that, he's 14th in, among first basemen in, in total points. So he's he's relevant even in points leagues, which we tend to think is shallower or sh- are shallower. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. Seventy one might be a like about right.
1: I always, I mean, we've referenced the expected numbers all season long for Christian Walker. So I, I maybe it's just not going to happen for him. But his XBA yeah. is two seventy seven. His X slug is six sixteen. those are, yeah, those are pretty awesome marks compared to where he actually is at. So,
0: I mean, seven, yeah. You know, could he be Ross? I think if well, okay. Let me let me think here. There are probably a couple of my own leagues that if he was out there, I wouldn't pick him up. So I think I think, you know, 71's not that low. I think it's about right. All right. Would
1: you rather have him or Luke Voigt who hit another home run on Sunday and he's having a strong June. Two eighty four batting average, six homers, nine forty seven OPS.
0: I mean for next week specifically, Voigt. In, 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 in the shallower leagues where they wouldn't already be rostered, I think you can afford to go week by week with those two.
1: All right, fair enough. Ooh, who else do we have here? AJ Pollock is having a strong June. He's batting three twenty two homers, 11 RBI, and 848 OPS. He's 39% rostered, and he is one of Scott's sleeper hitters for this upcoming week. Um, would you drop someone like Jesse Winker for AJ Pollock, Scott? Let's just say a shallower league.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, in in a shallower league, a three outfielder league, I don't, I don't see why there's any reason to, to stick it out with Winker. You might as well. You know, I'm not ruling out him getting hot at some point and becoming relevant to that format again. But I, you know, he's not the sort of play where if you drop him, somebody else is going to come scoop him up. You know, so I, I think playing the hot hand there, that going with the better matchup and for AJ Pollock, I think that makes sense.
1: In deeper leagues, five outfielder leagues, Robbie Grossman had a big weekend back-to-back games with a home run on Saturday and Sunday, and maybe starting to heat up. He did go 20-20 last year, 20 homers, 20 steals. He's 19% rostered. Scott has the Tigers as the third-best hitter matchups this week. And then Jack Sawinski, which I actually debated making my my oh-my-goodness-gracious player, three homers on Sunday, a triple dong. He's now up to 11 home runs, and... His barrel rate is pretty impressive so far this season. So, uh, you know, overall he doesn't hit the ball consistently hard, but when he puts it yeah. in the air, it seems like you know Jack Sawinski actually hits it pretty well. So, uh, what do you think about these two, Scott, in five outfielder leagues, Robbie Grossman and Sawinski?
0: Probably a little more interested in Sawinski. The this weekend were those were basically the first signs of life we've seen from Grossman all season. Right. I'm not especially interested in Sewinski. But his max exit velocity is high. Like it when he gets a hold of one, he seems like he can he can do damage with it. It's just I, I don't think that's gonna happen very consistently.
1: Fair enough. All right. So we're going Sawinski over Robbie Grossman. We've already talked about John Birdie and just let's watch and see what happens. We've said this before, but Jaron Duran has uh he did lead off four games in a row prior to Sunday when he got the, the day off. But he's only nineteen percent rostered. And I still think he's a very interesting player. So, in deeper leagues, let's see what happens with uh, Jaron Duran. The worryometer for these starting pitchers we already talked about Mackenzie Gore earlier. Pablo Lopez, another subpar outing at the Mets on Friday, where he gave up seven runs. Six of those were earned. He also had 18 swinging strikes on 84 pitches. So, kind of a mixed bag here. But the last six starts, Scott, not great for Pablo Lopez. 5.23 ERA, 1.41 whip. He's home against the Rockies this week, so I think that's an okay matchup. But what do you think? Mm-hmm. Oriometer on Pablo Lopez.
0: I th- it's still low. I, it's probably like two. He's been missing a lot of bats still. Uh, it, even with the rough stretches, ERA is only 285. My concerns for, for Lopez are mainly durability, but I don't think he's showing signs of being unhealthy. So I, I think he's fine. All
1: right, so you're... Fine, starting him this week against the Rockies. Yep. All right, Lucas Gilito is really struggling right now. It was a tough matchup at the Astros on Friday where he gave up eight runs over five innings pitched his last four starts. He's got an 8.71 ERA, 1.89 whip, seven homers allowed during that span, and over four walks per nine. It is a small sample size, but this is something we talk about with like Hunter Green and Josiah Gray, where if you are allowing fly balls and allowing home runs and walking a lot of people, that is just a recipe for disaster. So, Scott, what do you think about Lucas Giolito? The worryometer on him?
0: I think it's a little higher than Lopez. I'll, I'll go. I'll go four with Giolito. I, I mean, we really haven't seen him have a great start all year. His Best. He, he had one where he gave up one and run in seven innings, but it struck out only five. He had one where he gave up one and run in six innings, but walked four. So you know, out not not really like a signature. Okay, this is this is the borderline ace I drafted kind of start from Lucas Giolito. But the stuff looks fine. The overall strikeout rate, overall swinging strike rate, they're still high. Um, the ex-fip... 357 that's actually lower than last year you know even if the xfip wasn't that good i I'd, I'd still probably view lucas giolito as a buy low at this point i don't know that he's must start right now but i think he will be soon enough
1: he's going up against the blue jays this week who are sixth in woba against right-handed pitching would you pass on that <laughs>
0: matchup yeah i would lean toward benching giolito this week
1: Fair enough, and we spoke about Mackenzie Gore earlier. Let's get into some starter sit for some fringier starting pitchers. Uh, Shane Boz bounces back after a rough start. He was at the Orioles, six shutout innings with seven strikeouts this weekend. The problem, he's going up against the Yankees this week, who are first in weighted on base average against right-handed pitching. What do you think about that matchup?
0: I could go either way with that. I'd be more likely to start Boz than Giolito. All right. Eric
1: Lauer over his last five starts. We've talked a lot about this. 5.81 ERA, 1.59 whip, just 18 strikeouts to 14 walks over 26 and a third innings pitched. Swinging strike rate way down, velocity way down. Starter sit against the Cardinals this weekend. They're very good against lefties.
0: I said Lauer, and I'm pretty close to calling Lauer a drop, to be honest. Uh I don't think it's. It's not unthinkable to drop him in shallower leagues. Yeah.
1: The zoom ball. It's not really working anymore, unfortunately. Josiah Gray has allowed just two earned runs over his last four starts. And this weekend, he went six shutout with four strikeouts against the Phillies. And he is now up to 80% rostered. And he's at the Rangers this week. I believe one of your sleepers too, right, Scott?
0: Uh, yes. Josiah Gray? Yes. Yes, he is. Yes, he's actually allowed, oh, you already said it, combined two and runs in his last four starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, it wasn't so much the case over in, in his weekend start, but slider usage way up, and he gets more missed bats with that, and it seems like it's helped him to keep the ball in the park more. So hopefully that continues for Josiah Gray, because I think if he, can, if he can get over that home run issue, he has pretty good potential.
1: Blake Snell had another rough outing on Sunday. It was at Coors Field, f- four and two thirds, five runs allowed, four of those earned, four more walks, five strikeouts. He's up against the Phillies this week, who are fifth in WOBA against lefties. What do you think, Scott? Starter sit.
0: I would sit him, and I don't think it's unthinkable to drop Blake Snell either. Mm. Would you Did go? Kate?
1: Would you do it for like a John Gray, or would it have to be someone better than that?
0: That's right about the line. Hmm. Right about the line, I think. Where do you have where do you have Blake Snell ranked?
1: Uh that's a good question. Let's see. I have Snell SP 56, and you have him 65th. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I
0: have Josiah Gray 77th. I have John Gray 81st. I mean, that's not that's not far off. Yeah. And uh you know, I, I could probably stand to move both the greys up a little after this weekend. Yeah,
1: and so, probably probably move Snell down a little bit further too. It's
0: yeah, I think yeah. We're, I think that's right about the line.
1: Yeah, I've been off Blake Snell. I mean, the past couple of years, I just don't really want anything to do with him. He's very inefficient. He walks too many. It's it's rough. Uh, Andrew Heaney made his return to the mound on Sunday against the Cleveland Guardians. He went five innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. Uh, he is 79% rostered. Could be out there in some shallower leagues. The problem is he's at the Braves this week, Scott, and they
0: crush lefties. I do think Heaney's good, though. It was weird in this start. He, you know, or the first two starts, he, he, had, he had broken out that that sweeper, the slider that sweeps more. Um, and had a lot of success with it. He was going basically 50-50 with the fastball. In this first start back, Heaney went 75 fastball, 25 slider. And the fastball was classified as a sinker by StatCast. So I don't know. I don't know if that if if he literally if he actually was throwing a sinker all of a sudden as his primary fastball. It was harder than the fastball he was throwing earlier in the season. It was it was up in velocity, so that kind of leads me to believe it was a different pitch. And uh, I don't know. I haven't I haven't heard anything about you know what what went into that for Heaney. If if the Dodgers have been working on that with him behind the scenes, but I trust the Dodgers. If if it is something that they did implement with him, that it, it's probably for the better. Uh, but I was pretty excited about Heaney to begin with. Against the Braves, I wouldn't say he's an automatic sit. Yeah.
1: I, I don't know, man. <laughs> the Braves are obviously hot and crushing lefties
0: right now. I wow. mean, if they can't make contact off him. Yeah. I'm less beholden to matchups than you are, I think, in general. All right. So well, I... You know, it depends on your options, but I wouldn't be afraid to start Andrew Heaney.
1: Michael, Kope- I just threw my pen while I was talking and it scared me. Michael Kopek made his return to the mound on Sunday. He left his previous start with a knee injury. He gave up, uh, he allowed four runs over five innings pitched at the Astros and his velocity was down like 1.5 miles per hour. He does go up against the Orioles this week. So it's a good matchup, but I don't know. it's yeah. kind of iffy right now, Scotty.
0: Mm, I'd I'd steer clear of Kopech. I'm not convinced he's right with, with the knee injury and everything, the velocity being down. Need to, see some, need to see signs of a turnaround.
1: All right, fair enough. Let's get to some leftovers. A few pitching standouts, part one. Aaron Nola has now gone seven-plus innings in three straight. He was at the Nationals this weekend. Eight shutout with eight strikeouts there. Uh, the ERA is down to 3.11. Julio Arias looks to be back on track. Turned in another quality start against the Cleveland Guardians. Six innings, one unearned run with six strikeouts. Over his last six starts, he's got a 2.10 ERA and a 13% swinging strike rate. So that sounds pretty good for Julio Rios. Carlos Rodon, back-to-back scoreless starts after a little rough patch. He was at the Pirates, eight shutout innings with eight strikeouts there. However, fastball velocity was down 1.4 miles per hour. Scott, what do you think about these three? Nola, Julio Rios, Carlos Rodon.
0: I got no complaints about any of them. Glad to see Rodon get back on track. Arias start to get back on track. Nola has been pitching like an ace again. His swinging strike rate has actually been pretty ordinary this year, but it's it's kind of been inconsistent from start to start. Some Some games he misses a lot of bats, some games he doesn't. I don't think it's anything to worry about.
1: Pitching standouts part two. Robbie Ray with his best start of the season on Friday against the Angels, seven innings of one-run ball with 10 strikeouts. He had 17 swinging strikes on 102 pitches. Jamison Tyone gets back on track after two subpar outings at the Blue Jays, five and two-thirds shutout with eight strikeouts. And then Patrick Sandoval has put together two quality starts in a row. He was at the Mariners this weekend, six innings, one run, Five strikeouts there. Anything on these three? Robbie Ray, Tyone, Sandoval.
0: Still don't really have faith in Tyone. Oh. And his previous two starts had been pretty bad. Uh Robbie Ray, we we've noticed recently he started throwing a sinker instead of the four seamer. It's kind of like what may be happening with Andrew Heaney. And and I normally I think of that as a step in the wrong direction. Uh sinkers generally aren't big bat missers they're 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 geared for contact but robbie ray says he did it because it's it's helping he he did it to keep his walks down because you know a could get contact earlier in the count with it so it doesn't even get to a full count i, I don't know if maybe he has he just controls it better than the four seamer too. um he had 17 swinging strikes and 10 strikeouts in this one, so it, it didn't seem to hamper his strikeout ability throwing it as much as he did. So hopefully it is a step in the right direction for Robbie Ray, even if it is a little counterintuitive. And then for Sandoval, yeah, I mean, the changeups. He he finally started throwing his change-up a little more in his last start, got a bunch of whiffs with it like he always does, and then back to only 20% in this start. So it seems like... Sandoval is trying to pitch with one hand behind his back, which I guess you could do. Actually, he's trying to pitch with <laughs> his eyes closed or something. He's, he's, he's limiting his own potential by not throwing the change up more.
1: Yeah. I don't really get that one either with Patrick Sandoval, but alas, the results have, um, they've been good. They've been okay. I mean, the whip is still high 1.32 for Patrick Sandoval starting pitcher standouts part three. From the weekend. Sandy Alcantara at the Mets. Eight innings. It's just crazy how consistently this guy goes deep into his starts. Eight innings of two-run ball with eight strikeouts. Ian Anderson got back on track at the Cubs. Six and two-thirds shutout with six strikeouts. And then Nick Pavetta just continues this impressive run that he's on. He was up against the Cardinals. Seven innings of one-run ball with ten strikeouts. Over his last nine starts, Nick Pavetta, 1.77 ERA. 1.77 ERA. 61 strikeouts, 61 innings pitched. Not really sure how he's doing it, but he's doing it. Scott, what do you think? Sandy, Ian Anderson, Nick Pavetta.
0: So Ian Anderson, I still feel like he should be better than he's been. Maybe this is the start of it. Probably not. (laughs) Sandy (laughs) Sandy Alcantara, to put a number on it, you said amazing how deep he pitches in the games. He's gone more than seven innings. Not seven or more. He's gone more than seven innings in six of his last seven starts. That is a throwback for sure. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to come back to bite him down the line health wise, but it's enjoyable right now. And then the other one. Yeah, Nick Pavetta. Last nine starts, the 170 70 RA. Less than a base runner an inning, just looking. Great, but without missing the kind of bats we want to see him miss. So that makes me skeptical of it. He does have a heightened fly ball rate during the stretch 47.1%, which is pretty high and higher than usual from him. So, you know, maybe he's leaning into that as a way of getting, keeping hits down will it result in home runs more going forward i would bet yes but it hasn't so far it's been more of a help than than a hurt to pavetta obviously
1: all right i i know we talked about him recently and we called him a sell high candidate i still feel that way about nick pavetta you know just make sure you're getting something of value don't just trade him for the sake of trading him but I I would look to sell high if you can hitting leftovers from the weekend Josh Bell hit three homers across the doubleheader on Friday nice to see uh, power get back on track for him Hunter Renfro hit a homer three days in a row he's now up to 13 Anthony Rizzo has three homers in his last four games now up to 18 home runs total big weekend for CJ Crone. he had seven hits three homers including a double dong on Friday Gleyber Torres had seven hits this weekend, including his 13th home run on Sunday. Do you think Mike Trout likes facing the Seattle Mariners? He hit five home runs in a four-game series against them, and I saw that he tied, I think it was Rafael Palmero, for the most home runs against the Mariners ever, and he's done it in like 150 less played appearances than Rafael Palmero. so Mike Trout... Loves hitting against the Mariners. Adolis Garcia, five more hits this weekend, including a, another home run and another steal. He's now batting 253, 13 homers, 11 steals for him. George Springer, a sock and a shoe on Sunday. That's now 13 homers. Sneakily, George Springer has five steals this season. Not bad. He's on pace for uh, double digits. Dansby Swanson, he already has double digit steals because he stole two more on Sunday. He's batting 294, nine homers, 11 steals. Swanson has been amazing. The call to the bullpen, some bullpen updates. The Phillies, what's going on with them? Sir Anthony Dominguez pitched in the eighth inning with a two-run lead on Friday. He was facing the heart of the Nationals lineup. Brad Hand pitched the ninth inning for his second save. And then on Saturday, Brad Hand entered with a one-run lead, gave up a hit, a walk, and a run. Tie game, Sir Anthony Dominguez came in in the 10th, picked up the save, um... How are you approaching this Phillies bullpen right now, Scott? I mean, I think it's still Dominguez is who we want, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. Brad Hand was the guy they went to this weekend. Or at least tried to.
0: Yeah. Uh, Did that Saturday situation change things? Maybe. I wouldn't ignore Hand if if it was, you know, like a 15-team Roto League, one of those leagues where everybody with a shot at saves is rostered. But I think in the long run, Sir Anthony Dominguez is the one you want here.
1: For the Giants, Camilo Duvall, I know we had that weird stretch. He was pitching in the sixth inning one time, seventh inning. Well, he had two more saves this weekend on Friday and Saturday. And he looks like the guy, the closer for the Giants. For the Red Sox, on Friday, Tanner Houck entered in the ninth with a four-run lead. Two outs, runners on first and third. He allowed two hits, three runs to score. He barely escaped, but he did get his third save. And then on Sunday... He entered the ninth inning with two outs in a 6-4 to game. He gave up a hit, but recorded the final out for his fourth save. 64% rostered is Tanner Houck. Uh, I assume... I don't know, maybe not. Do you want Tanner Houck over any of the Phillies guys right now, Scott?
0: Mm, That's a good question. I think so. Yeah. I mean, Sir Anthony Dominguez, if he had more assurance of saves than he'd be the guy to, to, to pick up. But how just just looks like the Red Sox closer at this point.
1: Yes, he does. For Tampa Bay on Saturday, Colin Poche picked up his fourth save. I think they're still going to mix and match, but uh, he's been pretty good for them. So if you play in deeper leagues, he is a name there. And then on Saturday for the Mariners, Diego Castillo entered in a tie game in the 10th, and he gave up a two-run homer to Mike Trout, of course. And Diego mm-hmm. Castillo took the loss in that one Um, He had been really good recently for them, but yeah,
0: it's not against trout, not against trout, trout taking revenge on those Mariners for all of fish kind. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. Makes sense. Fair enough, Scotty. To stream or not to stream for Monday. We'll start there. David Peterson up against the Marlins. Trevor Rogers at the Mets. Caleb Killian. At the Pirates, JT Brubaker versus the Cubs, Alex Faito at the Red Sox, and Zach Davies at the Padres.
0: Ugh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh,
0: Brubaker against the Cubs might be okay. Davies has been kind of hot, but... Mm. Eh, it, I don't really want any of them in a streaming situation.
1: Zach Davies could get the Padres without Manny Machado. In fact... I would say it's very likely that that happens. So true. Maybe he's okay, but uh, if I
0: think if Davey's changeup is not on, it doesn't matter who he's facing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's but fair. But it's been on lately.
1: I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but if you're still listening at this point in the podcast, there is an early game on Monday, a one o'clock game between the Marlins and the Mets. So make sure to set your lineups. Tuesday, we've got Ryan Feltner at the Marlins, Rowanzi Contreras versus the Cubs. Eric Fetty at the Orioles, Rich Hill versus the Tigers, and Reed Detmers versus the Royals. I lied.
0: We have one more. Marco Gonzalez at the A's. Hmm. Not great either. <laughs> uh. Okay. Roenzi Contreras and Marco Gonzalez are okay. Yeah, those would be the best two between Monday and Tuesday. Those are probably the best two. That is
1: the right answer. I agree with you. And okay. we're going to wrap there. First Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watch Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.